another episode of The Max. I'm Maggie Davis, also joined today by, of course, Zach Gagan and Jack Pilgrim. We're talking all of your favorite sports topics, which is basically any sports topic today because we finally have some action uh, after the last couple of months of nothing thanks to this little thing called the coronavirus. So we're going to start with baseball today, America's pastime. All of us are super huge baseball fans, real experts of the sport. But first, how are you all doing today? Zachary, I'm doing fantastic. Actually, as you can as you can see today, folks, I have a new background. We're going to continue this trend. Um, it's still my same uh, my same boy here. <laughs> what would Jr. do? Catch him on his face or something? Obviously, be roommates with Zach Gagan. Yeah, that's what, I gave that's him a kiss earlier when when it was just me and Jack. But I'll, I'm not going to do that. I'll kiss him on the forehead. Aww, there you go. That was really cute. Yeah. He doesn't give him do anything. <laughs> look at that look at that face though that's that's a face only a mother could love <laughs> <laughs> well i just fantastic um ready i, I miss you guys it's been it's been it a has long been. hiatus uh there was yeah. some family stuff that popped up last week so we couldn't do this last week uh but i'm very excited to be back and and give give some some hot or not so hot sports takes because when they, the last they time we were together in person Person, who went to a game together? We did yeah. a game together. What? We did a game at Rupp together, like in January. Yeah, it's been. <laughs> it's been. Well, awesome. I thought probably the last game at Rupp, that UKUT game, right? Was it? I think that was it. I, was, I probably wasn't at that. Oh, that was a fun one. That was the Ashton Hagen's game, wasn't it? Yeah, it that was, was that was fun. That was my I'm last game. It was my senior night. We took some cute pictures on the court. You were a great photographer. Yeah. Was, that was a sad the night. The game sucked. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was. Yeah, that was what a way, what a was way to end our two-person friendship. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's funny. Okay, let's talk baseball. Um, I have my coffee today. We've talked about this forever, doing some sort of drinking episode. I just assumed it would be like beer or White Claws, but I'm going coffee today because this is, you know, we'll say it's the morning. Mm-hmm. It's like 1130, um, but we'll say it's the morning. So I needed this before I can talk about baseball because this – this really bothers me how they're doing the baseball season in terms of the total lack of like coronavirus, even attempt at any sort of bubble. What about you all? Yeah, it's, yeah, it's really frustrating to, to, it it seems like they just approached this whole thing and said, let's just get a, a season scheduled and then just see how it goes. And I think that is the exact opposite of how you're supposed to handle this. Although I will give the other teams credit. I think we need to know more about what the Marlins did exactly because they're the, they had, I think what they're up to like 17 players slash staff members who have tested positive, but they did an, uh, another test of the rest of the MLB of the 29 other teams in the league, zero have tested positive out of like 6,000 tests. So it seems like everybody else has gotten the memo and they realize, Hey, we got to, you know, try to be safe, wear a mask. I mean, they're, you, you watch most games and, and they're wearing masks on first base and, got, you know, in the opportunities that they'd be able to talk to other people or be in close proximity, they're wearing masks. So it seems like most of the league is getting it and that makes sense. But this, something like this was bound to happen and the MLB had to, there's no reason that they didn't have a contingency in place for this whenever this inevitably did happen. So, yeah, it's very frustrating, but I'm hoping that the Marlins are the outlier, not the uh, what the norm moving forward. I think what's really frustrating is how the NBA, you know, back in March, 
one positive test, shut the whole league down. Now things are a hundred times worse than they were. They just had Marlins just had 18 tests and they're still playing. You know, they canceled the games through Sunday or whatever. So now they're not even in a weekend of the season. They're already postponing games and everything. And the NBL, MLB is going to keep touting out the number that I think it was over 32,000 tests through opening day. They had 0.3% comeback positive, which is a great number. But guess what? They weren't traveling state to state until op- the day after opening day. So now that you know players are starting to go out and do things, they're not in a bubble. Um, apparently, I saw a report from like some USA Today guy, I think it was Bob Nightingale was his name, said that it was like one player who went out. One player went out, came back, brought it, gave it to the whole team. So yep. it's just, there's got to be some common sense there. Like, what are you doing? Yeah. Don't, don't go, like, the, right. we'll, we'll talk, we'll talk about Lou, Lou Williams in a second, but, you know, it's kind of <laughs> the same type of concept. Right. Well, and you bring up the point that, like, one test in the NBA, one positive test, shut the whole league down. That sort of led to so many of these college conference tournaments getting shut down, March Madness getting canceled. And so at first I was like, I wonder if this would have been different if it was the Yankees or the Dodgers. And I was like, probably. But then I was like, Rudy Gobert is not LeBron James. And so you, this, you know, you can't think about stuff like that. You have to know that everyone in the league matters. They all have families. No one wants coronavirus. No one wants to help continue spreading this disease. And so no matter which team it is, I think it's important to realize how many tests they've already had and to track it over the next couple of weeks and see how much it spreads from here. Because if they're able to contain it, of course, it's, it's terrible. Those 17 or 18 people have it right now. But if they're able to catch it in time, get them quarantined, get it contained, it doesn't go to the teams they played against or the teams using their same locker rooms, then I think you can be like, okay, well, that was sort of on that one team. Let's see if we can prevent that from happening again now that we know that if it does happen, this is how we're able to contain it. But what can't happen is it continues to increase over the next couple of days. One thing I did like is, I mean, this really wouldn't be fair on the grand scheme of things for the rest of the MLB, but the TBT that we just watched, if there was one positive test, they said, see ya, you're gone, like you're out of contention. I think, I don't think they'd be allowed to do that, but to at least have some sort of of not punishment, but a something to keep you, you know, to keep you honest and, and say, okay, well, instead of going out to the strip club like Lou Williams or going to, you know, wherever, whatever this, this Marlins player did, if you know that, okay, if there's an outbreak within the team, maybe not just one positive, but if there's an outbreak like what we just saw with, with this, you're done. Like, you, you have to hold everybody accountable and, and, and make sure that there's – there's, you know, no way that this thing spreads. One, one idea that I did think, everybody's like, oh, well, they should have just turned this into a bubble. Why didn't they turn the MLB into a bubble? And then the counter to that was, how would you, how would you make a bubble out of all these MLB teams? And I did see one, I think it was on Reddit. I don't, I'm not sure where I read it, but they said, huh, Reddit on Reddit. Reddit, Reddit hey. Very good, very good. Um, and they said we should have had, because there's two stadiums in New York, Chicago, and L.A., there should have been three regionalized bubbles to create six arenas to, to split off between uh, the various conferences and divisions. And at that point, we could have created at least a, a makeshift bubble where it's not technically a, a literal bubble like the NBA is having, but it would have at least been some sort of you're keeping guys, you know, intact 
isolated from other people to, to minimize traveling, that would have been an ideal situation. And I wonder if we start seeing, you know, more of these cases pop up and like, I mean, the Marlins season is paused right now. If we start seeing all these other teams and in, in their season pause, I wonder if the MLB would take a step back and go, okay, round one sucked round two. Let's figure out how to do this again. And that becomes their backup plan. Like, all right, well, we gotta, we gotta do it. We gotta have a season. Let's just try to create a makeshift bubble last second, see if we can make this work. I wonder if that would be the case, but that, that something like that, that forward thinking should have been the initial thought process, not, oh shit, this is, you know, after several outbreaks, we have to do this to make sure that this doesn't spread throughout the rest of the league. Right. And we brought it up a couple of times. I think we have to just go ahead and dive into this Lou Williams story because everyone's talking about it. I think, I mean, it's not hilarious because he's putting a lot of people at risk, but to some extent, like it's hilarious. <laughs> what it's did fun. you all think about that? Go for it, Zach. Mr. NBA bubble. Let's, let's dive into the bubble talk. Well, I thought it was, I, I also, so Lou, Lou Williams has like a weird non-connection to Kentucky because like he's friends with Jack Harlow and his nickname is Lou Willville. Yeah, but, weird. But he also right? is not from Louisville at all or anything like that. So I just thought it was all funny how Jack Harlow's like uh, last few years he spent most of his time in Atlanta. I guess that's how he's uh, yeah. met Lou Will. And I just thought I think the most fun, the funniest part of all this is that Jack Harlow was the one that got him in trouble essentially. Yeah. I agree, and I, he's not getting enough heat for that. We're all, yeah. like, diving in on Lou Williams being there, whatever, and, and he deserves some criticism for that, obviously. But also, does Jack Harlow have to put everything on Instagram? That's why he got caught. And then his – No and, idea. And, and then his backup very, story. Yes, and then <laughs> the NBA mask that's, that got in the bubble, the, the yeah. personalized NBA mask, he's like, that's an old picture. No, yeah. wait. <laughs> He said, oh, I just really, I really missed my friend. I just wanted to, I just wanted to tell him how much I missed him publicly. It's like, you li you're lying through your teeth. You went out and you saw an NBA player. You were like, oh, this is my buddy. Let's take a picture like all normal people do. They posted said picture and he went, oh, whoops. I probably shouldn't have put that out there. And then try to come up with a, some lame excuse. Own but it. it was up for point, just own it. it was up for like at least 20 minutes. It wasn't like a 30 second thing where he was like, oh, shouldn't have done that. Like, it was up there for a while. And to be fair to Lou Will, you know, he did leave for proper reasons. I think it was, what, his uncle? Grand, I thought, I saw a grand <laughs> Yeah, somebody, some family member did pass father. away. So, and, yeah. like, he went to that and, like, had good reason. And also, did you see the picture of the wings? Baller. <laughs> Fire. They, they, they did look, look pretty like good. good. Yeah. Obviously, don't do, don't do that. Like, I, that's why we have the bubble. That's what the bubble's for. But it's also concerning because, you know, you've got other players that are going around doing the exact same thing. And maybe, and they're not breaking the rules. So, you know, one guy is going to, one guy's going to ruin it for everyone. Like, yeah. Well, and then he tried to say like, oh, well, I was just picking up food. Okay. At a strip? Don't bring food out to your car. Yeah. Takeout's a thing. That's what takeout is. That's what we're all supposed to be doing right now. Let's well, do they have takeout strippers though? Yeah. That's the problem. Did see? you see, did you guys see the, there was a USA Today article where. Oh, are, we, are we about to start talking about strippers? Yes. Okay. Um, well, there was, a, there was an article that they posted and there is a drive-through strip club somewhere. I don't know where it is, but you sit in your car you know where and it is. the, the, <laughs> the, uh, the headline was drive-through strip club, uh, utilizes two song maximum or something like that. Like you're only no allowed to stay for two way. songs. I swear to God, swear. I saw it and I was like, 
man, that's kind of innovative to be totally honest. I mean, like they're trying to make some money and they're like, how can we, how can we make the most of this really crappy situation that we're in right now in the midst of a, of a pandemic? Let's create a drive through strip club. I mean, I personally would not partake, but, yeah, yeah, yeah. but you know, yeah, Jeff's one that brought it up, knows everything about it. He's not going to go. No, I, I, of course not. I would never do married. That. Yeah. <laughs> I would never do such a thing. I, I just think it's innovative. That's all. Elsewhere okay. in the bubble, while we're still, still diving into this bubble talk situation, can we talk about the fact that Nerlens Noel, among other players, is, has literally just forgotten to get tested? I mean, I feel like that is the biggest part about being in the bubble. That, like, well, how are you not just waking up every day and being like, first thing I got to go do, get my nose swapped. Let's do this. Make sure it's still negative so I can play today. How do you just go a full 24 hours and forget to do that? Zach, what did you think of that story? This one blew my mind. Like it just, it actually blows my mind. And I did the story for this on KSR yesterday. And even in the post, I was like, does he, not, does he not have, yeah, flex. Does he not have a computer, a phone, a tablet, a watch, an alarm clock? I mean, this is like, this we can't see it because JR is in the way. This is an alarm. You can set it every single morning to tell you, it tells you to wake up at a, at a certain time to go do things. It's an amazing feature. <laughs> Really there's new technology, too. There's Alarms. an app for reminders. You could set that every day, COVID test. Also, yeah. you have staff there with you. You've got assistant coaches. You have teammates. How is there not a group text like, everyone good today? Hey, you got your test today? Hey, yeah. how are we doing? Just All early. negatives? Cool. I mean, it falls on the coaching staff a little bit, too, because you have to, like, I agree with that. and the yeah. league. The league in general needs to make sure. It should be more the league's control like the players obviously you know mistakes happen but they can't happen right now they can't and i'm a little surprised there's not like scheduled times for them exactly. to go every day like nerlens you go at 11 a.m every day like i mean once i guess that'll be a little harder but i'm just surprised it's not more scheduled and it's not like he could ever be that far away like if you can't find him guess what he's probably in the hotel Go find him. Go text him. How Almost like we... he has a room with his name attached to it. You can just go to his room. Attached to it. I don't get it. Yeah. I don't yeah. understand this story, but it, like Zach said, it blows my mind. Yeah. Yeah. Didn't get it. Any Didn't other it. big bubble stories we want to talk about? I hope we get to see AD play. Uh, Dan is uh, in is... Yes, that was good news. Yeah, was good he did news. have COVID. He did. It That's was the best. But he played yesterday. He made his yeah, debut. He played, he's back. He's fine. Bledsoe's going to play as well um, whenever their season starts. So they're all, they're all good to go. I got to be honest. Yeah. Like, I'm proud of how they have collectively – I mean, yes, there have been a couple isolated incidents with, with, with guys. But it seems like the group mindset right now is there. Like, they're like, we all know that this sucks. We know we're all away from our families. This is not an ideal situation for anybody. But we all want – to have somebody crown champion this year. We want, we want an NBA champion this year. At this point, I mean, yeah, we want it to be us, but we just want to have this season be for something. We already played that starting back in last October all the way through now. Why not just finish this last little bit? Let's just put our heads together. Let's finish this season. Let's do it. it I, I, I am really proud of all of them and how they have uh, kind of stuck with it and really made sure that, that this is working. Because, I mean, Zach, you were – one of the biggest pessimists going into it all, all this. And even you seeing your joy, you know, we text and we DM all the time of, of being able to just sit down and be like, Oh, this game's on a night. Oh man, bam, look good tonight. Oh, you know, 
Bull Bowls, the next KD, you know, that, that we get to have those stupid takes now because there's basketball on our televisions. And for that, I thank them. Yeah. And well, the contrast, I think you have, go ahead. The contrast between the NBA and the MLB is just, it's so telling and, and, and the NFL even. It's so telling in such a, in so many different ways. Because the, the Nerlens thing is a great example. Nerlens missed one test and they quarantined him for 24 hours. The Marlins had 18 positive tests and they played a game. They <laughs> played night. a game. So it's just, oh. I'm very, I'm, like, like Jack said, I I'm, was very pessimistic. And even still, you know, I'm not going to keep my hopes up that things continue to go this way, even though they've gone really well and all the players are buying into it. But they are just, they are doing such a much better job than the MLB and actually taking this seriously. That it does give me a little bit of hope. And I mean, shit, the season starts tomorrow. Tomorrow. Yeah. Tomorrow. So and, we're in real life basketball is tomorrow. Yeah. So exciting. Oh. And I think the big difference is the NBA was willing to not only give them that amount of time and effort to really think through this and, and figure out what was going to be best, but they put their money behind it. I saw a figure somewhere, I think it was $180 million just for the bubble. That is crazy, but also necessary. I mean, if you're going to put this number of people in a bubble, contain them, test them, if you really want this to work, that's what a league is going to have to put into it. And that's what we're clearly not seeing with the MLB, probably not going to see with the NFL. Colleges won't have that even as an option to put that much money behind something. So I think the NBA deserves a lot of credit for just being able to be like, hey, we lost a lot of revenue this season too, but we're still going to put this $180 million in to try to finish out this season. And Jack, I thought you brought up a good point when you mentioned that the players want to finish this season. I think at least for me, I keep thinking of this as like a totally new thing. And I'm like, oh, it's, you know, sports are back. Like in my head, it's almost like a new season. Obviously, there are still the favorites and there are teams that you think are, are sort of headed in the right direction in terms of trying to actually win the championship. But for the players, it has to be so frustrating. And I think back to the UK players who just worked all season for no reward at the end. Right. Could not even play in their conference tournament, to not get a chance at UK, obviously, you know, not get a chance to play for a title, but for smaller schools to not even know if they would have made it into the tournament. That uncertainty has to really weigh on a player's mind. And so I'm glad that the NBA isn't going to have to have that. Hopefully, fingers crossed that, that things continue on in this sort of direction. And, and I brought up UK there, so I wanted to go ahead and transition to a little bit of UK basketball talk. I know you all want to talk about EJ Montgomery. Jack, I will throw it down to you, sir. Oh, so Monday, the NBA releases 105 names that they are going to not, that's not the finalized list. It's they're going to cut it down to like 65 or to 70 names, but they release an initial set of 105 people that are in consideration for the NBA combine. They don't know when the combine is happening. They don't know if the combine is happening, but they said in case again, the NBA, I mean, yeah, they probably should have had a better plan, but they at least, this was at least the, the initial steps to show that the NBA is thinking ahead that, hey, if there is the possibility for us to have a combine in the near future, we have to have people to participate in said combine. We can't invite them last second. We need to let them know that they are in this specified list. So 105 names out there, five Kentucky, former Kentucky, Khalil Whitney was also in the list. I don't know if you want to classify him as a Kentucky player or not, but Ashton Hagens, Nick Richards, Tyrese Maxey, Emmanuel Quickly, and Khalil Whitney all made the list. Good on them. Congratulations. The one guy that didn't of that group of six, EJ Montgomery. EJ, buddy, 
I'm rooting for you. I really, really want you to be the next winning Gabriel and, and prove everybody wrong and, and carve, carve your no, name on the league. Not, not exactly but the next winning Gabriel. On court. On court, the next winning Gabriel. Not, on, not off court. Definitely not. But I, to this day, I, talking to people behind the scenes, Kentucky thought that EJ initially, based on how the season was going, they thought, done deal, he's coming back. He wants to come back. He saw what Nick Richards did this last se- last season. He feels that he could be the next Nick Richards if he comes back and and you know puts in the work this off season. He knows things didn't go as as he wanted this year, but he does see that light. And then the season ended, and then he went back home and talked to his inner circle and the people that want to you know oh cousin you know friends of cousins and and distance. Oh, you were, remember you were my fifth grade best friend. Oh hey. Uh, you should go get that bag in the NBA and throw me a dollar. Like when those type of people start getting in your life again, that, you know, it starts kind of clouding your judgment a little bit and you start making, you make decisions such as go, uh, entering the NBA draft when you have 0.0% chance of being drafted. And that's where we are with EJ Montgomery. NBA scouts right now are, they're not laughing at him, but they're like, dude, you made the biggest mistake of your life by not going pro or by not returning to school for one more year and I feel really bad for EJ because I know he's, he's not going to get drafted. He's going to spend some time in the G league and he's going to have to go overseas and carve out his own. And maybe that's what he wants to do. If that's what he wants to do, he wants to go explore, go travel the country, you know, travel the world by all means, if that's what he wants to do, that's fine. But if he did this for his NBA dreams, this was the worst way to go about it. And I, it, it start, I think that reality is starting to set in now when his name wasn't included in 105. That means if there were four NBA draft, four draft, uh, rounds of the NBA draft, we wouldn't even know if he would make that. Like two full drafts back to back, we wouldn't know if he'd be on uh, at the, the tail end of that fourth round. That's where right. his, his stock is. This came out, all I could think about, honestly, like was how he must be feeling. And I know that's, sappy or whatever but if we saw that list you know he saw it his family saw it he had to sit there and read through 105 names and not see his own and and you know he's a uk guy like i do feel sorry for him i want the best for him i i totally agree with what you said about that um but i know that zach feels a little differently than than jack does so i'll toss it over to you now what do you think about all of this well, Jack kind of he touched on two points that I was going to talk about a little bit. The winning Gabriel one, I think, is that was that's the main comparison here that I'm going to bring up, because they took similar routes. You know, <clears throat> likely going to go undrafted. Wenyan has carved out his role, um, so I, there is precedent for something like this to go well. And I was a person that, and I'll, I'll flex another one of my Zachisms from five years ago. I said that winning Gabriel would carve out a role in the NBA. I, he didn't need college. He really didn't. He's he's he was just a player that had the skills to do it. EJ is too. He's six nine. He's got like he has the ability to handle the ball. Like a, a lot of what we're doing with EJ right now is assuming. We are assuming so much about this kid that we literally know nothing about. Jack even made the point. Maybe he wants to go overseas because that's what he's sure. like. The reality is, if EJ Montgomery goes overseas, he's still going to make more money than I ever will. True. So well, he can go. He can go live in Italy and go or and uh, work wherever he wants and make all that money there. You know, come back maybe do something else. I mean, I feel like there's a lot of assuming that, you know, EJ is who, who knows if EJ is even upset or maybe EJ saw the list and he's like, you know what, screw that. I'm going to prove to them that I'm all better. And maybe he comes out and he carves out a role in the G league. And then all of a sudden in two or three years, he's in the NBA. So 
the inner circle thing, yeah, that's probably like he probably had people in his ear telling him, should he have come back to UK? Like, he did. If you look at the if you look at that uh, just the 105 draft thing or uh, what a combine thing, yeah, he probably should have come back. But we can't, you know, assume any of that for real because there's a lot of things that he could be doing right now that's nothing of what we're saying. And he could be perfectly content with his decision. Maybe he just didn't want to come back to UK. Maybe he wasn't a fan of UK. Obviously, the same thing kind of happened with Wenyon. That's, if I had to guess, the reason Wenyon left is because he didn't like UK. That's why he went to the draft. Maybe EJ Montgomery. Or they just don't position. like the college setup in general. I mean, I don't think we necessarily have to take it as, as a personalized thing against UK. I mean, maybe we can sort of see that about Wenyon now. I don't think that we've really seen that from EJ at this point. So I don't think that's really fair to say. I don't think we but did. Right, but there are guys who don't want to have to spend their days going to class and pretending to care about that kind of stuff when their ultimate goal is to play professional basketball. Yeah. They don't like having that's to limit fair. how much they're allowed to practice. They don't like having to limit how much they're allowed to see their coach. And that's fine. I get that. If your ultimate goal is to play professional basketball, it's stupid for you to go take these classes for an extra year if you know that eventually that's not what you're going to be ultimately doing. You know, obviously that's great. As sort of a backup, and, and we've even seen really successful players go back to school and get their degrees. I mean, John Wall is a recent example. But that's not everyone's goal, and I think you're right about that, Zach. And EJ still has the lifetime scholarship, correct? Always, yeah. There you yeah. go. Yeah, I mean, I don't if he wants to go back, be... come back to college, if he tries the overseas thing, doesn't work, he can, he can come back to UK, finish it off, get a real – like, I think, I think there's a lot of assuming going on with EJ right now that no one really knows. My only, my only thing with the, the Winion argument is Winion showed that he, at worst, could be a catch-and-shoot six-foot-nine, six-foot-ten stretch four in the league. Like, that game where, you know, that Alabama SEC tournament game where he hit seven threes, like, that was a game that NBA scouts said, okay, at worst, we could put you in the corner, even though in his, his DM to Jaden McDaniels, that was his big thing, like, oh, I hated being put in the corner and all that, you know, all that, but – he has proven that at worst he could do that. What skills does EJ, has EJ shown right now? What, what NBA talent has he shown right now at the college level that would make NBA scouts go, ah, that right there is why he could stick. Well, I have not personally seen not, I, I'm, I'm in some group messages with, with there, there's some scouts, overseas scouts, some, some local pro, pro talent scouts, and all of them are like, dude, I have not seen a single thing that EJ has done that makes me think, ah, that's going to be why he sticks. Winion at least had that. Yeah, the same thing could be said about Khalil Whitney. And, and, well, that's... and it comes down to size and athleticism and, and potential. And if he's got a chance based on size and potential, maybe they say the same thing about EJ. We don't know. While we're talking about UK basketball, I want uh, to also talk real quickly about some transfer news. Obviously, more transfers have been granted eligibility. But, of course, not Olivier Saar. This is another story that blows my mind. I think the theme of today is like, this story blows my mind. I don't know why this is taking so long. I don't know why everyone and their mom is getting eligible except for Olivier Saar. I don't know what else to do. I mean, we saw that Adam uh, Kunkel is, is no longer sort of in the running at all to come to UK. He signed with Xavier. Is that correct? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, at this point, I don't know. I mean, surely there's always someone else out there that Cal could find. But at this point, it is so late in the game that if he doesn't get eligible, it's going to be a mess. What do you think, uh, Jack? Yeah, the, I think things are definitely trending in the right direction. I, I think w w what's so funny to me is when the Johnny Juzang news came out, 
there were a select group of local media guys and, and even national guys that said, oh, well, well, Johnny Juzang, he left specifically because of the, the pandemic and, and uh, that, that his situation is completely different than Olivier Saar, which he didn't leave for the pandemic. He wanted, he had his bags packed in January. He was ready to leave back then anyway. So yes, that was the, that was the pitch. That was the pitch that he gave the NCAA, which is a great one. I would do the same thing. If you are in the middle of a pandemic and you want to leave to go closer to home, that's a great way to win your argument. That's not how it happened, how it unfolded under the, behind the scenes. But so when that news happened and then there were a couple other, you know, waivers granted due to the pandemic, due to, oh, he was injured last year. And every single time, it seemed like the local and national media were saying the same thing. Well, that's not even close to Olivier Sars situation. That's not even close to Olivier Sars. And then as we're getting to like, okay, now it was like a handful of guys. Now we're to like the dozen guys. And now we're like to the twenties. Like I think 20 guys so far have, have received waivers right now. Several, several of the cases almost identical to Olivier Sars, if not worse than Olivier Sars. Like, Olivier Saar has a really, really solid argument as to why he needs to be eligible, uh, immediately eligible this year. There's no reason that he shouldn't be eligible right now. And it's funny seeing the local and national media, how, how silent they're getting with every single positive waiver, you know, bit of waiver news. They're, we're not seeing though, well, this isn't even close to Olivier Saar's situation. I think there's, we're, we're reaching a growing consensus right now that Olivier Saar needs to be declared eligible We've seen all these other cases throughout the NCAA. The NCAA has proven that they are, they don't care if you even have a remotely solid case behind you, they're going to grant you eligibility. At this point, it needs to be not if, but when. And if it doesn't, it's going to be, I mean, UK fans have every single right to be very frustrated and, and with the NCAA because th there's no reason that this kid can't be playing this year. No, no reason. Especially because it's really looking like this will not even be an issue starting next year so if the NCAA I mean I know we've talked about this so many times I mean Jack you were the one who made the weed analogy a long time ago we don't yep. need to get back to you but it's that's true analogy. but it's true and and you're right we gave you a hard time about it because it took you a while to get there but <laughs> you were right you were right and and I can say that um because if the NCAA gets rid of this sort of rule by next year they allow everyone hey one time you get to transfer wherever you want no questions asked, but but they deny anyone. Obviously, we're talking about Olivier Saar, but just in general, any player who's transferring right now, if they deny them that that immediate eligibility that they're granting just across the board in six months, that's a disaster and so unfair. And I, I, I would have to really sit down and think about it and, and write something and, and write some pretty strong words about it, I think, because I have so many thoughts about it right now that my brain is like, firing off all these things about like, well, this doesn't make sense and this isn't fair and that's just stupid and that doesn't hold up. So I think, I mean, we're talking about Olivier Saar, but across the board, everyone needs to be eligible right now, especially because we're in the middle of a global pandemic. I don't understand why that's not just like, hey, we're going through a lot. Don't worry about basketball right now. You're going to be able to play. Don't sweat it. And I hope Olivier Saar isn't having to spend a lot of time dealing with this. I mean, he's back on campus with his teammates. I mean, I don't, I don't know. I haven't heard anything. Maybe uh, Jack or Zach could speak to this, but I feel like he's practicing like normal. I feel like he they're is. preparing if they're going to be using him. And I hope that continues because you don't want a situation where we are able to have a season. Kentucky is able to use Olivier Saar, and he's like, oh, I waited so long. I'm, like, not ready to play. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, I mean he's he's practicing right now. He's, I mean, they're showing these little. They're UK is a great is doing great at 
showing you a lot, but not showing you anything at all. Like they posted a 33 second video and what did we see? Like maybe one made jump shot and one dunk. Like the whole, the whole video is just the players dribbling and like going up for a layup, but you actually don't get to see it fall. Like they're doing a great still picture. It's just like one still picture and you're like, Oh, look, basketball. Yay. That's, that's exactly what we're seeing right now with, with UK. They're, they're, they're building the ultimate hype and including Olivia in the process. Um, but there was something that came up yesterday that kind of indirectly made me think of the Olivier Sar case that, that I think bodes well for him because of kind of what we were talking about, knowing that they were going to make this big move later. Why wouldn't they just do it now? Was when Oklahoma decided that, you know, hey, we want to push up the, our college football season a week is there any chance uh they, they asked the NCAA hey can we get a waiver to move up our season a week we think it's gonna be healthier for the pandemic all that the NCAA granted that waiver to allow them to play Missouri State a week earlier on on uh, August 29th and then what three four days later the NCAA granted a blanket waiver for the rest of college football to say hey if you all want to do what they just did go for it. By all means, if you all want to move your, your schedules up a week to kind of create more schedule flexibility, by all means do it. I kind of see that in the same light of the instantly granting individual waivers for these kids. You, you know, I, I see that the Oklahoma Missouri state waiver as a, another waiver. If they're going to grant the, bl the blanket waiver next year for these transfers, why would they not grant all of these individual waivers leading up to it? I, I it was again, like my weed analogy a few weeks ago takes a long time to get to it. But I think there is a not so indirect correlation between those two that right. I think the, yeah, the general mindset of the NCAA. Yeah. I think. Right. The general right. mindset along. Yeah, I agree with that. Zach. Well, so why, why is it taking so long then? You know, if, why is SAR going to be the very last one? I think Calipari said when, when he talked to the media a couple of weeks, I think last week or whatever it was, he said that, that that because Kentucky is Kentucky and Olivier Saar is Olivier Saar being one of, you know, arguably the number one transfer on the market, that they are going to have to take a closer look at it. Um, and that, that it basically got a red flag from the NCAA, like, whoa, this isn't Iowa State kid transferring to Norfolk State. Like, this, this is something that we go into Xavier. Well, he yeah he's not even trying to get a waiver anyway but yeah that's that that's a whole other frustrating situation in itself um uh, but when because it's such a high profile case they want to make sure they do their due diligence and make sure that they get they they get it right before they declare anyone eligible or ineligible that was calipari's take but um i know kyle tucker released something on the athletic a couple of days ago that said uh that kenny payne thinks that uk that sar is going to be eligible they're confident that they're going to have him uh, eligible this year. So I think there's, there's growing confidence within the program that this is going to, this is going to happen. And like I said, it's, it's a matter of, of when, not if at this point. Kenny Payne's going to go to the Knicks though. How can we even trust him? <laughs> That's a good point. That's good. Which, which is another thing. I, I got a couple uh, screenshots of, so that happened what Sunday night at like 10 o'clock. Um, I got a, some, a couple of people sent me a screenshot of some mes message boards because Travis, who, who co-hosts my, my podcast with me, put out something similar that he said, uh, Kenny Payne hasn't heard anything from the Knicks yet. So as of right now, he's staying at Kentucky. And people were like, oh, here goes KSR being putting out inaccurate info. And I was like, 
if you actually read the post that said the Knicks have not contacted Kenny Payne yet, there have been no dis- discussions. These are internal discussions. You know, they haven't even hired officially Jack, Tom Thibodeau Jack, yet. Jack, Jack, like, Jack. Oh. You know you cannot expect people to read the post. They just read the tweet, okay? Yeah. You know that. Uh, yeah. it's, <laughs> it's frustrating. It's frustrating. But, yeah, the, the, yes, Kenny Payne is being discussed at the, the front office level with the Knicks right now. They're trying to see if it would be a good fit with Tom Thibodeau. And then that was – if it gets to that point, then that's when the contact would happen to see if he would want to be interviewed or if UK would even allow the interview, whatever would happen. We are still way too early in that process to even worry about Kenny Payne leaving the Knicks. But don't worry. It's, don't worry. it's just about knowing that they were on that he's on their radar right now. Yeah. Gotcha. Well, see, the thing, well, they're not going to hire Kenny Payne because that would be a good hire. That's a good point. <laughs> and, it's good point. and it's that'd be, that'd be and too it's smart of them. Yeah. Yes. Well, we're about out of time, but before we go, I want to throw it back to Zach because the women's basketball team officially got to campus oh, yeah. over the weekend. We haven't talked about them enough. If there's a college basketball season, they're going to be really good. I'm excited about this team, Zach. I know you are too. So I want to give you a couple minutes just to talk about what you've seen since they've moved in, if you've heard anything, and what you think you know is a possibility for the season. Well, as far as I know, their three transfers aren't going to play this year. Um, Olivia Owens, Jasmine Masson-Gill, and Robin Benton. Um, and those are three, like, two of them are starters. Benton and Masson-Gill are definitely starters from day one. Olivia Owens, we don't really know much about her yet, um, but she's 6'3", something like that. So those three not playing will be uh, an issue um, because next season is really when Kentucky's going to have, when Ryan Howard's a senior, that's when they're going to have a top five team from the jump, no matter who else they recruit until then. Um, but yeah, everyone's on campus right now. Kiki McKinney was not pictured in any of this stuff, but she's here as well. So everyone's here. Um, but as far as, as far as I can tell, this team is, they're going to be, you know, a, a solid top four team in the SEC, probably similar to what we saw last year. Um, Ryan Howard's going to be better. That's really, it's really just as far as, you know, she can take them. Um, a lot of it is also going to depend on how good Treasure Hunt actually is. And I think she's going to be like a mini Ryan Howard. So a lot of that Ooh. matters and just um, trying to figure out who's going to be playing backup uh, guard roles. Cause they really only have one point guard right now in Chastity Patterson and behind her, it's kind of, kind of rough. They don't really have someone that can actually, that has proven that they can come in and uh, control an offense. So most of it's going to be done by people like Ryan and Treasure. Um, but going into the season, they should absolutely be a top 25, top 20 team. Um, I don't know what the status is on the waivers. I don't know if they're really trying, but I haven't heard anything on all three of them. So I would just assume that it's going to be a next year thing. Right. Right. I agree it's with exciting. that. It's exciting. Very yeah. exciting. Yeah. I hope we get to see them. I'm glad Matthew Mitchell seems to be recovering well from his brain surgery. That was sort of some scary news we didn't talk about too much when it happened, but all that seems to be in the clear now. Um, also, I had a closing thought. I actually did see Zach at the grocery store in March, so I saw him most recently. Do you remember mm-hmm. that? No. Yeah, at the Euclid Kroger. I can't believe you don't remember it. I met your roommate. It was a big deal. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Obviously a really, really big deal if Zach remembers it so fondly. Like, oh, yeah, yeah. yeah I'm going to pretend like I know exactly what you're talking about right now. We should yep. do our yep. highs and lows. Oh, do we want to pit and peek it? Sure. I, I don't really care about it. I bet I could. You got, do you okay. have one? Do you have one ready? A pit or a peek? 
Mm, I don't, but I could think about one real quick. Does anyone have one off the top of their head? Let's see. Basketball. That's my, that's gotta be my peak. Basketball. I'm actually about to go uh, buy a third TV because I only have two right now in my, in my uh, living room setup. So I have to go and purchase another one um, to complete my, my, uh, what was the episode of The Office? They called it a... Uh, Megadesk? Megadesk. Yes. But then Jim made uh, Quad Desk, but it was yeah. three. So this yeah. is Quad TVs, but it's three. Is how we're okay. Doing. Oh, nice. Nice. Very cool. What's your, what's your pit? Everything else. <laughs> life. Just everything. Just life. Around it. Yeah. But the peak oh, is good. Yeah. Love the yeah. peak today. The peak is good. <laughs> um, my pit is i was in the reason why we didn't have the show last week is because i was up in cleveland my my wife's father had brain surgery things went really well like you know the, better than the doctors even expected they were able to get in and take out all the bad stuff and um he's you know up he's things things are going really well so yeah that's that was the pit but i guess that was also kind of the peak because things did go about as well as they could have but um yeah outside of that definitely the sports returning. I mean, this was a big week for uh, getting us, you know, back in front of televisions and actually being able to digest sports that aren't marble racing and cornhole championships and, you know, that kind of stuff. We actually have real life sports going on right now. And that's, that's a a solid escape for anybody. So yeah, I'm right there with Zach. That's definitely a, about as high, high as you could get. Right. That's good. Um, My pit, I would say like Zach, it's pretty much most of the day, just hanging out inside, not doing anything, restaurants closing again. Not that I was going to very many restaurants anyway, but back into 25% just from, you know, a consumer standpoint, it's hard because you know that's going to really hurt the restaurant industry and all those people who own those businesses and work there. And for someone that so works that for a restaurant. Yeah, yeah, I felt, I felt bad for our essential worker over there. Um, but my pit, no, sorry, my peak, would be I got a 10 out of 10 on this background from on Twitter. It was huge. I was so excited. It was unexpected. I was very happy about it. Like it really pumped up the serotonin like that I didn't know that like was still possible. I was like, yes, one tweet did it. I'm smiling the rest of the day. I'm proud of my background. That was all good news for me. That was that was a peak. Let's rate Jack's background. (laughs) right now well we can submit it to room raider i don't you know i mean personally the pictures are great but, she, but yeah. the light yeah, it's not much happy. so much organization like you've got you know right i'm not sure if you saw it the tweet but perfectly curated hmm. but does your room have this <laughs> <laughs> does your room have does nick room richards have this? i don't are think you, so are you roommates with jr smith i'm roommates <laughs> with nick richards not as good. <laughs> I can party way harder with J.R. Smith. I don't know. Nick, Nick's a party animal. Yeah, right? that's a hot take. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, I think this is where we're going to wrap it up. Good to see you all again through this computer screen. Have a good rest of your week. We'll see you later.